Omagyanatimirandasya gyananjana salakaya Chakshurumilitam dhenatasme shi gurave namaha Vande shi krishna chaitanya nityananda sohorito Kododai pushpavanto chitro sandotamonodo Ajanalambito bujo kanakabadato Sankirtanayaka pitaro kamalaya takcho Vishwambaro Vijabaro Yuga Dharma Palo Vande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabhataro Shri Gauri Vaishnava Guru Prampara Ki Jai Hari Nam Prabhu Ki Jai Gauri Bhakta Vrinda Ki Jai Gauri Pramanandhi So those of you who have been here for the last few days and evenings know that we've been discussing topics uh, centered around the month of Krishna, Masana Marasashir Shoham, means Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, as we discussed, of months I am Margashirsha, Masana Margashir Shoham, I am Margashirsha, that's this month. And this month is a month of plenty, it's the month after the harvest, which comes the previous month, which happens to be the month that is identified with Shimati Radharani, so Radharani's month, followed by Krishna's month, and in that month of Radha, the Damodar month or Kartik month, then that is the time of the harvest. So after the harvest, then the storehouse is full, and so Krishna has identified himself with this month, a month of fullness and completeness. Agrahayana it's sometimes called the month of beginning. It's a new year in the Indian and the and in the Vaishnav world. No beginnings and time of fullness. Of course, Krishna is full, standing next to Radha. So these months stand next to one another. And in discussing this month from Bhagavad Gita, we naturally drifted from the world of spiritual thinking in Bhagavad Gita to the world of spiritual feeling in Srimad Bhagavatam. And what happens in this month that's prominent in the Leela of Krishna, that, that means that's been recorded in the Bhagavatam, a Prakat Leela, a Leela for the manifest Leela of Krishna within this world, known as Gopi Vastraharana. Vastra means clothes and Harana means to steal. So most of you are familiar with this Leela to some extent. Krishna stole the clothes of the gopis at this month. So we've been discussing that. Also, in context of that, there's been occasion to discuss some things from Gopal Tapani Upanishad. All these things are interwoven together, particularly the Gopal Mantra, the principal mantra of our Sampradaya. Its significance, we went into great detail about that. And we've discussed so far the first six chapters of this Leela as found in Srimad Bhagavatam which constitute a description of the what the gopis, these kumaris, means they were different gopis than the gopis who were already betrothed. Some of them, their marriages had been arranged. In the chapter previous to this is called Gopi Gita. There are different gopis there speaking. This is a different sector in this leela, a younger group, and they're noted as such by the word in the very beginning verse, Patame. 
Hemantpatamemasi means the first month of the winter, this Margashirsha or Agrahayana, these Kumaris met one another on the banks of the Jamuna. Swaha, the great daughter of the sun. If they arrived there by Kirtanam, Nam Kirtan, and by the practice of the Gopal Dhyan, Gopal Mantra, the Japa of Gopal Mantra, if we conceive of them, that is to say, as some Acharyas have, as, as sadhakas entering the Leela, others have considered them in, in, in another way, but it may be useful for us to consider them as sadhakas. And this is the method. By Namsan Kirtan, with a view to cleanse the heart, that one may become qualified to take advantage of Krishna Mantra, Gopal Mantra, and it's its corresponding Kam Gayatri, and from Kirtanam we become qualified similarly for Archanam. The mantra has some correspondence with with the deity worship, with Archanam. It's all come from the same side of the literature, Pancharatra side, Tantric side of the Gaudiya texts, procedures and esoteric type of ritual and so forth. And in such practice in conjunction with Kirtan, then leads to qualification for, for real dhyan, meditation, bhajan, and that qualifies us for, again, accompanied by kirtan, to enter into this stage of actually appearing in Krishna's lila, and the prakat lila, and the manifest lila, finding an entry point there to meet with him. And so these gopis are there, they've come together at the bank of, of the Juna, so they're still doing there. The mantra, in one sense, retires at this stage. And we understand Krishnanam continues. But they're still doing their mantra in the sense that they're bathing in the Jamuna. This Jamuna has been described in Gautamiya Tantra by Krishna himself as a Susumna, in a kind of an esoteric map of Brajmandal, and a map to enter into Krishna Leela. This, uh, this Jamuna is been compared by Krishna to Susuna means uh, that effulgent pathway towards the sun leading to the, to the spiritual world, the path of light. It has a corresponding manifestation, that path in a microcosmic sense within us as a nadi like, it means like a river. A nadi means in a sense a passageway uh, for the airs of the body for the pran, for the life of the soul to go up into the Brahmarundram and, and out, liberated. This is the pathway. But as I say also, quoting Krishna from Gautamiya Tantra, this Shushumna is also considered the Jamuna, so this is a very interesting concept because, as I said the other day, we can float back to Godhead rather than taking a more difficult type of yoga. We can swim back to Godhead in the favorable waves of the Jamuna. But you have to get to the Jamuna <laughs> to do that. So they've arrived at the Jamuna. They're continuing their mantra in this sense. Juna means daughter of the sun. That means Sushumna, fulgent light path. But it, it implies the Shakti of Krishna, Shakti Tattva. Jamuna is also considered to be a manifestation or, or an expansion of uh, Vishaka Gopi, who so much identified with Radha that thereby Jamuna in terms of the, the concept of the daughter of the sun, is identified with Radha. This is all explained in Gopal Tapani, 
Upanishad in very esoteric language when it says Swaha in the mantra this is Krishnaya Govindaya Gupijana Vallabhaya Swaha and so this Swaha is, this is the key to the whole petition the deity is mentioned and in the dative case for Krishna for Govinda for Gopijana Vallabha Swaha I surrender myself in Swaha I make sacrifice this is a very kind of general idea Swaha and Ha Gopaltapani mentions it is that which makes the world go round we discuss this at some length in so many ways from different angles how sacrifice and giving is what makes the world move progressively we don't want to move backwards like being on the take and cultivating the, in, in the enjoying spirit but to move forward this is the, really the mystery of life and life is not reasonable it's not logical we want to make it logical and reasonable and, and that's a problem that's a difficulty the answer to that is it's not reasonable it's not logical life transcends reason and logic it is about love and so as I said though we try to make sense out of the world our everyday experience is that it it doesn't make sense because it doesn't make sense that by giving you will get but it happens and we experience it and we can't take what we got and wave it around and say see I got this but we got it somehow it's, it's, it's visible in us in terms of our becoming more full more complete so by giving we will get so aha we should give it is also the Maya of Krishna, Brahma told the Kumaras, this Swaha, it is the Maya of Krishna. It makes the spiritual world go round, that means also. And Maya of Krishna leads us from a general sense to a specific sense. We come, like I said, daughter of the sun is mentioned, and this, this Swaha is a daughter of the sun, means the Shakti Tattva, it means this passageway, the way to go, to leave conditioned life and enter wherever you like Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Balalaya Krishna name covers the whole of Krishna Lila from Vrindavan to Dwarka Govindaya that covers the Braj Lila in Vatsalya Rasa, Sakya Rasa Gopijana, Balabhaya in Braj only Ragmarg but in contact with Krishna's romantic life as an intimate friend of Krishna or as a dear intimate servant to friend of Radha so these names mark you can make your entry point but not without Swaha in service to them in sacrifice in surrender to Krishna Radharani embodies the ideal of surrender and service sacrifice she represents the Ashrai that part of the equation of love it means she's the very example of love so Swaha is about that. In that sense, we also it is to be understood. Gopaltapani says, Krishna has taken shelter of Swaha. So he takes shelter of Radha. It also means he takes shelter of his devotee. He takes shelter of those in whom love of him is sheltered. And it is that which he takes shelter of that we are seeking to become. We want to move from doing worship to being worshipped. This is an interesting idea. Thich Nhat Hanh wrote a book called Being Peace. So we should have one being worship. That means being loved. Worship and sacrifice are the foundation out of which love arises.
that we want to be that loving sentiment, a manifestation of that. Do you understand? To serve Krishna <coughs> in his Leela. Those paradigmatic examples in the Leela, Radha, Sridham, Mother Yashoda, examples of different types of love and sentiments. We want to follow in their footsteps. And their love is non-different from Krishna. This is what we mean when we say in one sense, achinta veda veda, tattva, one and different. That love is non-different from Krishna because Krishna is that face of Godhead that corresponds with that kind of love. So where we will find Krishna, we all come and bow our head before the deity. Why do we bow before the deity? Because the Vaishnava has told us this is Krishna. So where is Krishna? He's more in the Vaishnava, in the heart of the Vaishnava, even than, than in the deity. So from the deity worship we shall do under such a person's guidance and direction that we may become, in a sense, a particular sentiment of loving Krishna and participate as these kumaris are in Krishna. It's such a very high idea, something we should know about theoretically while knowing at the same time where we are in the whole equation that we may go there systematically, step by step, honestly, not artificially. We're not about to appear there tomorrow. You know, the sages at Dandakaranya, they entered there. How perfect was their mantra dhyan, the meditation on their mantra, that Ram appeared before them? Was he just passing through the forest? Or did it have something to do with what they were chanting? Imagine now if you do your mantra dhyan and, and Ramchandra appeared before you. You'd think you were doing pretty good. You're getting pretty close. Not quite. It's not Krishna. It's Ram. <laughs> I'm getting close. A little more, a few more days. What did Ram tell him? I like very much your idea. I'll see you in the next yuga. Next yuga you can meet with me when I come as Krishna. But they still had some ways to go. Want to speak of ourselves. It's not an overnight affair. But we should know what we're involved in, what group we've joined, what is its reach, what possibilities there lie for us, what prospect. When I was younger and had joined the mission of Prabhupada early on, and I was uh, in Los Angeles and a, a new member, and uh, a godbrother of mine pulled me aside one day and told me, you know, most of the devotees, they go to Vaikuntha, and only a few go to Goloka. Then I began to cry. I thought, what? I joined for... Only a few are going to go. Only a few. I found out he was wrong about that later on. <laughs> That's the good news. So we should have that kind of understanding, that kind of basic sense and feeling that uh, I want Krishna and Krishna's most charming in Vrindavan. Mahaprabhu came to talk about that. He's particularly interested in, in talking about that. So it may take some time. That's all right. We have time. Good things are worth waiting for, but we should not use that as an excuse either. It said that gradually, we become Krishna conscious gradually, but certain things have to be in place in order for it to gradually happen. Just like if I go into the kitchen and I say, well, when's the dinner? And Mother says, well, it's coming gradually, but the, the stove isn't even turned on yet. Uh, I think we'll first turn on the stove, then you can say gradually. So we need some fire 
that fire means good company, sadhu sangha, that will help us to cook gradually and be offerable. So we have to arrange our life in such a way that we have good company. A fellow recently wrote me on, on the sangha, on the internet, on our internet question-answer format. He said, I live in a distant place and I don't have any association here. And in your sangha you're always talking about having good association, how important it is. So what should I do? I wrote back, move. A little harsh, perhaps, but I wanted to emphasize the point. I followed it up with a second email, but <laughs> <laughs> consider that we, that we are supposed to change. From our side, there has to be some movement. Krishna is moving towards us. He's come to us in the form of the guru and shastra and given so much advice and, and so forth. We have to move. We have to respond to that. The spiritual life is very much about change. It's not about remaining the same. It's all about changing and radical change, such a dramatic change and changes we'll have to go through. What we think of as Krishna consciousness now in 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years, we may think very differently about it, what, what it is. These kumaris, they're not thinking like we are thinking. We're thinking Krishna is the supreme Param Brahma. They're not thinking like that at all. They think if he's got any power, oh, that's because Gargamuni blessed him, that he would, that Narayan would do things through him. I can't see him in that light. So they've arrived here at the banks of the Jamuna. The first six verses are describing what they did every day during this month. They bathed in the Jamuna and they, having crafted it, molded a deity out of clay, out of earth, of Katyayani, the goddess. They worshipped her with a mantra, mantra given by Purnamasi to Brindadevi, who gave it to them, whispered in their ear, this is a mantra. What was that mantra? We discussed that. Nanda Gopa Sutam Devi Pati Mekrute Namaha. Nanda Gopa Sutam Devi. May the son of Nanda become our husband. May Nanda Maharaj become my father-in-law. May live in the house of Nanda and Yashoda. This was their mantra. And this they prayed, they offered to Katyayani, the goddess, at the recommendation of Brinda Devi. Brinda Devi appeared like a forest, like a monk, lady monk in the forest gave this mantra and all the procedures Guru gives the mantra procedures deity to worship all these things so they're doing this every day and it's also been explained in these introductory verses that along with that what else did they do first of all of course they met one another at the banks of the Jumun and neither knew the other was going they all gathered there and, and met one another and they saw on one another's faces their own hearts that in your, on your face is my own heart, so it must be in your heart also. So they felt such compassion for one another. Oh, if you want the same thing and it's causing you so much pain to get Krishna as your husband. So then they would sing and they would, so along with their bathing and the ritual, they would do kirtan. Afterwards, in other words, they knew who was going. They would meet at their homes and walk to the Jamuna, skipping, holding hands, and chanting Krishna Nam, doing sankirtan. The kirtan is continuing in, the, in this stage of practice also. And they would also sing nice songs. I can see now, I had a dream, and you married the son of Nanda Maharaj. And this happened and that, and everyone celebrated, and you were living in the house, and so they would bless one another, and very innocently they would cherish their ideal. So now that they get to this point, Krishna has not appeared in the, in the whole affair. 
the only divinity other than themselves is the goddess Katyayani. She's not appeared, but in the deity form, she's appeared. So now tonight we hear Bhagavam Stad Abhipetya. Sukadeva Goswami explains. So he says what? Bhagavan came. There's an, a hint of sobriety here. Bhagavan Tadabhipetya Krishna Yogeshvareshvara. He said, then Bhagavan came. His name is Krishna Yogeshvareshvara. Oh, again, this is easy to misconstrue, this Leela. As we go on, it becomes more apparent. So he, as he begins to talk about Krishna's participation in this affair, he addresses him as Bhagavan. So this is God. God came now to the bank of the Jamuna. He's Krishna, and he's Yogeshvareshvara, not merely Yogeshwar. In Bhagavad Gita, he's called Yogeshwar. Here he's called Yogeshvareshvara. It means he's the the Ishwar of Ishwars of Yoga. He's not just the, he's the supreme yogi, he's the yogi of of supreme yogis. That's because previously, as you may recall, Katyayani was, was uh, how was she addressed? She was addressed as Katyayani Maha Maye Maha Yogini Adhishwari. She was a great yoga Adhishwari. A great feminine yogini, very uh, controller of yoga. So this is yoga maya. She's, uh, in one sense, she's a great mystic. Uh, but Krishna's position is being spoken about here by Sukadeva as being even greater. So some, for all of us, some sense of the divinity of all of this and the godhood of the young cowherd who's just appeared on the scene where he really shouldn't be where girls are bathing in, in the river. And Sukadev says, Vyasir avritas tatra katastad karma siddhaye. And he didn't even come alone. Vyasir avritas tatra. He came with a circle of friends. Such a beautiful sight. Krishna surrounded by his friends, cowherds. And naturally they're laughing and joking, and but... This is their nature. Laughing, joking, frolicking in the forest, carefree, dealing with Krishna as if he is, is one of them. No difference. Such intimacy. Hmm? Like when you love somebody, if you bump into them or you touch them, you don't go, oh, sorry. <laughs> but, but otherwise, in a crowd, you're waiting in line and you accidentally touch somebody, you go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. This pranai, this is the idea of love. It's such an identification that they have with Krishna that they can touch him with any part of their body, on any part of his body. They can sit on his shoulders. We cannot think of such a thing, sitting on Krishna's shoulders. We're standing, bowing at his feet. They're putting their feet on his shoulders. Such intimacy that they have. So in intimacy and equality, the nature of friendship is that it's based on Equality, equal position. They have no sense of difference in terms of Krishna's position in their own. The fact that he's who he is, from our point of view, is obscured by the force of their love. So naturally, they'd be joking and poking one another and frolicking and playing games and so forth. But as they approach the Jumuna, Krishna, of course, has something in mind. They don't know why you're taking me here. Where are you taking us? Now, normally we would think that a certain section of Krishna's friends 
would be coming with him. And that would, we would normally think that they would be the friends of Krishna who are acquainted with his romantic life and are participants, I should say, in his romantic life. This is a special circle of Krishna's friends. Atyantika rahasya gya saki bhavam samasrita. Sri Rupa Goswami says in discussing this in Ujjwal Nilmani, he says that on account of their rahasya gya, atyantika rahasya gya, because they're gathered their knowledge of the inner secrets, rahasya, atyantika, rahasya, the inner secrets of Krishna's life, his heart. They're very special amongst the group of Krishna's friends. And Sakibhavam Samasrita. Their nature is such that while they're fully the friends of Krishna, they have some connection with Krishna's girlfriends also. Sakibhavam Samasrita. They have a connection with the Saki a gopi friend of Krishna. They've imbibed things from them. They're confident of such sakhi. In terms of dealing with Krishna, in terms of his romantic life, the best of them is Subal. His Yuteshwari, his group leader, is actually Sri Radha. Radha Sandesha Brindam Katayati Pasya Subala Krishnasya Kane Bhakti Rasamrita describes... Oh, in describing different cowherds in connection with different services and different gopis, it is said about Subal, Radha Sandesh, the secrets, the messages of Radha, Katayati, he's whispering into the ear of Krishna, ministering to him in this way. These are very special friends. There must be a group like this, because that's we've discussed before. Well, everyone knows that Radha feels great separation from Krishna. And so many people are concerned to tender to that. Krishna is also feeling great pains of separation from Radha, so who will minister to him? Where did Krishna first express his love openly for Radha? Where did he? And to whom? Actually, some other gopis, headed by Radha, when it became known that they were betrothed, to be married to someone other than Krishna. They could not tolerate the idea. They went to the banks of the Jamuna to enter into, the, into her and never return, never come back. They thought, I cannot, will not marry anyone else. If I cannot have the son of Nanda Maharaj as my husband, I'll go and enter into the Jamuna, drown myself. So they went, they met in the banks of the Jamuna. This is again another sect led, led by Radha. And they began to chant a mantra like these gopis had, I want to live in the house of Nanda Maharaj and Yasoda. Let the elder brother of Krishna be my brother-in-law. If I cannot have that, I enter into the river. But Jamuna Deva was shocked at this. So she signaled for Purnamasi to come. Purnamasi came, the mystic lady of Krishna Leela, Yogamaya, along with Brinda Devi, her assistant, and Madhu Mangal, one of Krishna's dear most friends. The three of them came, intervened, Purnamasi intervened, and they went with the gopis and pacified them to some extent. And then Purnamasi said, now we have to go and find Krishna. So they went to find Krishna. And Krishna was seated on a, like a big moonstone platform doing meditation. And why was he meditating there? He was meditating to try just like when you have emotional distress, you think, I better do some meditation. 
get away from my oh, the, the tossing and turning of the, of the emotions of, of my love life or whatever. <laughs> so I gotta do some meditation. I should get back to my spiritual practice. All this is, it's, it's, it'll never work out. But Vishnu was doing meditation because the pain of, of his love for Radha, which he hadn't expressed yet to anyone, was building with inside of him. And of course, relative to the Leela, the drama, he didn't know if she felt the same way about him. They had not talked. Some movement was there, some slight in Kaliya, Damana, Leela, when Krishna chastised Kaliya. He danced on the heads of Kaliya. And oh, he gave a very special kind of dance there. Gopis happened to be on the shore, like everyone else in Vrindavan had come there out of fear that something was happening to their beloved Krishna. Ram, Balaram led the way. And so there in the, in the midst of chastising Kaliya, Krishna showed kind of showed off his dancing, trying to attract them, seeing what say like I said to say, what a good dancer I am, just just see. This is a little exchange, a little something. Denokasura Lila described the Poganda, the whole of the Poganda Lila in one chapter. At the end of that Krishna becomes a cowherder at that time, officially. On Gopastam he gets his stick and uh, his rope and his gallard tilak, blessings from the elders and so forth. He becomes officially a coward. Oh, and then at the end of that lila, which as I say gives a kind of an overview of the whole Pagandha lila, he moves into the Kishore lila. And therefore, coming back to Vrindavan, he sees the gopis exchange some glances. So he thinks she loves me. She feels like I feel about her, but can't be sure yet. Hasn't been expressed to anyone his plight. So there they approach him. He's seated in meditation. And Purnamasi, she's a master of mantra. So she courageously, trembling herself, began to chant some different mantras like, Oh, the moon is the personification of faults. The lotus is merely dirt coming out of the pond. It comes out of the mud of the, of the pond. But Radha's face is the perfection of beauty. People think the moon is the perfection of, uh, of a beautiful face, or the face of the lotus. She deprecated them in relation to the face of Radha. Whispering this, she then said to him in the mantra form, something like this, that, how can you be concerned whether what you already have you will get, especially when I become your mentor? Something like that, in a mystic way she talked to him. She, of course, was aware. This is the Prakat Leela, and this is... Oh, She's Yoga Maya. She knows, oh, this is all going to happen. She's orchestrating it. She knows, she's like the director of the movie of Krishna Lula. So she knows the plot, she knows the characters, and she knows what's going to happen. But the players are so absorbed in their roles that they don't know. Krishna doesn't even know. It's unfolding. The gopis don't know. Yes, they, they, as far as Nityasiddhas, they like Radha, she's in love with Krishna. Krishna's in love with her. But it, it's unfolding in the context of the Leela. Therefore, this Naralila is so charming. While the sadhakas want to go enter into, you want to take birth in Krishna Lila, and while there, you want to go to the Goloka. Everybody in Goloka wants to come here for this Naralila. So charming, so sweet. It's as if you do the drama, the movie on location. It has extra added value, and they announce it like that. Filmed on location. It's not in Hollywood, it's not. Just props. Love means love is for humans. 
Love is a fallen condition. We fall in love. When Bhagwan falls in love, Krishna's love life, it's best played out in human society. And this, knowing about this, love life of Krishna, of course, this is the Achilles heel of Krishna. If you know about that, very easily you can enter there. Mahaprabhu came to broadcast about that. Rupa Goswami said things that when Mahaprabhu heard, Mahaprabhu is Krishna, he blushed. You know that? Oh my God. <laughs> cover his mouth. He tried to cover his mouth, but his mouth was not to be covered. With his pen, he penned so many things, and we're benefiting from that. If we take advantage of that, all those things, all that literature, how we take advantage? By collect, not just collecting information from there, but gathering information to fuel our practice. If we do that, then one day we'll chant, and Krishna will want to cover our mouths. That means he won't take us back to Godhead. You know too much now. I want you with me. You love me too much. I can't bear your separation. You come with me. So Purnamasi made these kind of appeals to bring Krishna out of his meditation and to say to him, I know something about this, I can help you with this, and so forth. So then, as his meditation broke, she said to him, I've come to give you a gift. Here, take this boy, Madhu Mangal. They had not yet met. Krishna had not yet met Madhu Mangal. Take this boy. This is my gift to you. You know, she's connected with Purnamasi, live with him. So Krishna was very happy with that gift of Madhu Mangal, and they embraced. In other words, in the connection with Madhu Mangal, his trying to dam the flood of his emotions for Radha was defeated. He was able to express that Madhu Mangal was the, was the person whom he could express himself to. He couldn't really say it to Purnamasi. He couldn't say it to Devi. He couldn't express to them entirely. But that's what he needed to do. He needed to talk about it <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> he, he's in love. He needed to talk about it. So Purnamasi knew what she gave him, the gift of Madhu Mangal. They embraced. And, oh, they, they knew natural, fast friends. Just natural friends from the start. So as the Christian said, well, come and meet some of my other friends, cowherd friends. He's, of course, a Brahmin, Madhu Mangal. Come meet some of my other Vaishya friends. And they went... And there they began to talk. Krishna began to express himself. Where have you been recently? <laughs> I've been to the Jamuna. What happened there? And this way Krishna began. He knew Krishna's sentiments and he made it easy for him to talk about it. This is the work of the Priyanarma. So tender, so important. Not a small thing. We shouldn't talk about these things in such a way that these sentiments for love of Krishna in such a way that one might be construed as being less than the other, or an unfortunate circumstance. Oh, he only got love of Krishna as a friend. What a bad thing. You know, I mentioned this before, that when Sridhar Marsh had commented that Prabhupada appeared to have some affinity for Sakyarasa, and some of Prabhupada's disciples took a, uh, objection to that. And said that he's criticizing Prabhupada. And that came back to Sridhar Maharaj and he said, what? They think it is a criticism? He couldn't quite understand it. And he said, they're thinking that Sakiras is a bad thing. Is that it? Is that how they think? Could it be? He said, I thought it was rather a compliment. <laughs> and, and very uh, accurate in many respects from his point of view and supported that in so many ways. It's not a bad thing. 
I once mentioned to Purimars that some people have said that Prabhupada had some affinity for Sakyarasa, and that's a problem because others connected with him might have affinity for Madhurya Rasa. And Purimars laughed. He said, Baba, that's not a problem. If you have a guru situated in Sakyaras, you haven't got a problem. That's very lucky. <laughs> Such a lucky thing. All arrangements will be made, whatever may be necessary. Such a qualified person will never cheat you, never exploit you. He's there to serve your interest, your prospect. And as it begins to manifest, as his delight, to tend to that, and if assistance in that regard is required, oh, then it's all one happy family. It's not a problem. So Krishna, in this way, he first was able to express himself to Madhumanga. So such is the intimate position of those Priyanamas. So we would think that such boys were those who accompanied Krishna on this occasion, but actually they're not. Actually, uh, the Goswamis have explained in their literature that who accompanied Krishna was Sridham, Sudam, Basudam, Kinkini, these boys. They're all Priyasakas. means their love for Krishna is, is not Sankul, it's, it's not mixed. Like the Priyanamas' love is friendly, primarily, but it's mixed with conjugal love. It's an admixture of the two. But these boys, Priyasaka, is just pure friends. Other friends have a mixture of Vatsalya, Surit, protective, kind of elderly, and some have mixture of Dasya, of servitor, servitude. These boys like same age. Priyanarma is a little younger than Krishna. Surit a little older than Krishna. Of these boys, Sridham is the leader, Priyasakas. And Sudam, Vasudam, Kinkini, these four, they were accompanying him. Now, they are not participants in the romantic life of Krishna, but they don't, they're not unaware of it. They know everything about it. How do they know everything? Actually, in the tantric literature of Gaudiya Vaishnava, it's mentioned. There's a, a mandala, a pitta, a yantra, just like our Gopal mantra has a corresponding yantra. It means like a mystic kind of design, graphic design that corresponds with the mantra. It's a eight-petaled, Lotus with a like a hexagonal two triangles next star. And in Sakiras, this Yogapit, this is a kind of uh, meditation we call Mantra Mai Upasana. You have your mantra. So as you become proficient in the mantra, then Mantra Mai Upasana. Mantra Mai Upasana, it literally means something like this that you take a picture, a still picture from the motion picture of Krishna Leela and you meditate on the still picture until it, the meditation becomes so intense in conjunction with the mantra, so absorbed that the still picture leads into the motion picture and it becomes spontaneous, swarasiki, from mantramayi to swarasiki. So we have, for example, mantra. We get a Gopal mantra. But our Gurudev, uh, my Gurudev anyway, he didn't give a corresponding yantra to make out of copper or gold and meditate upon and so forth. He didn't describe when he gave me initiation the Yogapit for Sakiras or Gopi Bhav. These things are there, though, in, in the literature. But that Yogapit, for example, for these boys and all the Sakas, that eightfold petaled lotus and the star, hexagonal star, and in the center is Krishna and Balaram. And then there's four gates. And on the western gate is Sridham. And then the northern gate is Sudham. And then 
eastern gate is Vasudham, southern gate is uh, Kinkini. And on the eight paddles, then you have representations of all the Subal and Arjun, that, that Arjun of Braj, Priyanama Sakas and the Suhit Sakas and the, the Plain Sakas who are influenced by Dasi also. It's a meeting place for the whole of the affair. Through meditation we meet there and from there we go. But the corresponding concept of this that Algurdev has given, for example, is the, the altar. So on the altar we have our deity. And to the deity, the, the altar is uh, like Vyogapit. We should go, for example, if we have a Gornitan on the altar, we should go to the temple in our home or in a local temple or to the altar in the early in the morning to the meeting place of Gaur, Nityananda, and Nabadweep. This is the Yogapit and all their associates. We should meet there, all of us together, and sing what? We should gather for Goranga Mohima, Kirtan, Mohima, glorification of Goranga. Dinamani. Dinamani means Dina means day, money means jewel, naudite. The jewel of the day has not yet arisen. It means the sun, but it means Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's lying in bed still, sleeping in a little. He's been up all night in Kirtan. Dinamani naudite, mile bhaktagana. Devotees from all over are gathering. Before the rising of the sun at the Yoga Pit, the meeting place, another day will begin in Gorlila. Eto Premananda. Such love. Eto Premananda. It's never been seen before in the whole universe. Bijamane Bhakti Tabha Jalamala Sutra. So they describe him. He there Goranga Mahaprabhu is. He's Bijamani. He has a Bhakshya uh, Sutra on his chest. He has this, this sutra, the thread of the twice-born. At his bed is the sh- his shoes and his parasol umbrella. And he's seated on the bed. So what's being described there? All this paraphernalia. It's also telling us, oh, a devotee told me, I really much like the idea of worshipping Ram. I said, you should very much try to understand what is Ram. What is Ram? Ram, Nityananda Ram. He's so connected with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, or Ram with Krishna. He's his Brahman thread, he is his shoes, he is his bed, he is his umbrella. What are the shoes doing? What is the umbrella doing? What is the bed doing? Serving him in all, while walking, while sitting, sleeping, under the sun, or from the different elements. He's protecting him in every way. He's so fixed on serving Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Ram, so fixed on serving Krishna. So if you're interested in worshipping Ram, you should think what Ram, it's not just a nice idea, just a poetic idea. I'd like to worship Ram. What is Ram about? Become interested in that. In this way, we have songs, for example, what I'm saying to you, that speak about a still picture of the movie, the motion picture of Krishna Leela. And we can sing them, like in the evening, we go and we sing the Gaur Artik. Jai Jai Gaur Chandra Aruti Keshova. Janavitatovane. Oh, there he is on the bank of the Ganga at this time. And he's with his associates, and it's very beautiful. It's maddening, so on and so forth. So this is a meditation. It's not just a song to sing, it's a meditation. This is a kind of a mantra mayupasana, if you do it properly. You stand before the deity. That is like the jantra, 
it's helping us to get a handle on this kind of worship. We're supposed to, by this worship, enter Krishna Lila. This is a still picture of the Lila. The song corresponds with that. Sing that, and as you become absorbed in that, you go into that. It becomes a motion picture. So these, anyway, four boys, they're situated like this on the yantra, at the yoga pit of Sakiras. And they are so intimate with Krishna, these four, that they represent his intelligence, they're manifestations of his intelligence, Sridam, his ego, Sudam, his heart, Vasudam, his mind, Kinkini. So wherever a person's mind is, their heart is, their ego is, these boys represent, they know everything the point is about Krishna. There's nothing they don't know. But relative to their sentiment, they don't directly participate in Krishna's romantic affairs. So it's interesting and unique to think, as the charges have commented, that they came at this time. But they were quite all quite young, and Krishna, of course, is quite old for his age, although he's the same age, he's mature for his age, special quality of Krishna, special child, especially bright child. <laughs> yes. So they all came, and as they approached, joking, Krishna said, now, shh, be quiet, be quiet. Where are we going? Where are we going? Shh, shh, be quiet. They approached the shores of the Jamuna, <laughs> and what did they do? Tasam, Vasamsi, Upadaya, Nipim, Aruya, Satvara. They stole the gopis' clothes. The gopis had taken off their clothes to bathe in the Jamuna. They were bathing there naked, leaving the clothes on the shore. Krishna came, collected up the clothes, stole the clothes, and Nipam, Aruya, Satvara. He climbed up in a tree with his friends. Shh, he told them. And then looking down, they couldn't stop but giggle. And Gopis thought someone had, and they heard the deep voice of Krishna also. So they were both stunned and charmed. This was the last day. This was the Purnim now. These verses from here on describe one day. Well, the first six verses describe what they did every day. This is the Purnim now. This is the time for the fruit. This is the last day of their yagya, their month-long brut of bathing in the cold jamuna in the winter and eating only habishan. Mixed dal and rice with no spice or salt. This is what they was part of their their brat given by uh, Brinda Devi and Purnamasi. And bathing in the Jamuna and then worshiping Katyayani. And so this is this is the final day, the full moon, and it it's been described as was such a joyous occasion for these Kumaris that some of the other girls, little older than them, who were already betrothed, like Radha and her group, that they came along with them to celebrate the last day of their brat and to give their nityasiddha company to them and blessings to them. You'll get it, what you want, but not from Katyayani. She cannot give that kind of love. Therefore, on the last day, she didn't appear there. In other words, if you do the brat, then the deity should appear and say, yes, benediction, you've got it. She didn't appear, but who did appear? Krishna. Of course, this Katyayani means the manifestation of Yoga Maya. Krishna is her deity. So her own deity came. She said, this is your business. What really made them successful, of course, is their eagerness for the whole thing. As Jiva Wasami concluded, only by their eagerness, is it, their determination, their enthusiasm for such, was it possible for them to attain. Krishna appeared. He would come to fulfill their benediction. Of course, they, they suspect maybe that's the case. They hear his voice. That's who they want to have as their husband. But what are these other jokers there with him for? <laughs> <laughs> They're thinking. 
And so they submerge themselves in the Jamuna so that only their faces are showing, trying to hide themselves. It's wintertime, so there are no lotuses blooming in the Jamuna at that time. But their faces appearing like very wonderful blossoming lotuses and Krishna's like a bee with his eyes looking to take the honey from the from their faces. And he begins to speak to them and why he's come. So we talk for some time. There's a lot more to go, but I thought I'd stop here. So we'll continue tomorrow. This way we've been spending our time. Any questions? Yes. You said that the other coward boys were with Krishna? These four. But were they up in the tree with Krishna? Yeah, they climbed the tree with Krishna. But how come they're not in any of those pictures? Well, <laughs> because that picture hasn't been painted yet. <laughs> It mentions it here in the Bhagavatam. I'm they, just wondering because I know when I, when Johnny was painting, I was with him. He always writes Charles and asked about the pictures. Uh huh. He didn't give all the details for every picture. Their presence is um, it's mentioned right here in Bhagavatam. They went up in the tree together, and uh, others, Vishwanaths, and Goswami, and Vaishnavtosani. Jivasami, Gopal Champu, they've described these things in greater detail. Yeah, they sat in the tree and they, they bounced on the branches and <laughs> they had all the clothes of Krishna. And Krishna announced to the gopis that you should come out of there, it's cold in there. Come out of there, get your clothes. I've, I've retrieved them, some forest, uh, like leprechaun or whatever, a nymph, uh, some forest... Uh, fellow came and stole them. I found them all. Here, I brought them back. See how compassionate I am to you. Out of compassion, I've come to bring you your, your clothes. Please come out of the water. And boys are poking one another in the, in the ribs and so forth, joking. Krishna said to them, oh, actually, don't, they're not naked. Actually, if anyone's at fault here, it's them. These are poor girls, and they've actually stolen some of my clothing. Hmm. I wasn't going to say that, but if you're going to resist, then I might as well tell the whole story. Not only these forest people stole your clothes, but you've stolen some of my clothes, and you're wearing them inside the water, I can tell. You have to come out. He's talking like this also for the sake of the boys. Anyway, it's a long story, and many things need explanation. Any other thoughts, question? Satyaraj Prabhu? In the Balabha Sampradaya, they have, in, in addition to the literal reading of this story, they have this symbolic understanding that the gopis naked in front of Krishna, Krishna is saying that all souls are naked before God. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, what we say is that we should make ourselves naked before God, like the gopis. Oh, it's so beautiful as they come out of the water, what it means. It's so beautiful. Sri Krishna is so charmed by that, what they did, for the sake of love for him. He's actually overwhelmed, choked up. And this Leela, they meet Krishna, and they get this. They marry Krishna. This is the marriage of gopis. These these gopis, and these gopis are trying to enter into this Leela, and he, he blesses them on this day. That what's happening now, substantially, will be formally recognized, acknowledged later on. That means that Rasa Leela, the coming next year, Sarat Purnim. It was uh, consummated. The relationship was consummated. At this time, it, it, it was acknowledged. They wanted him as a husband. He's coming to say, yes, I'm your husband.
I saw you naked. You have to be my wife. That's Prabhupada's system. <laughs> you see the lady here, then you have to marry her. Another question? Yes. I'm wondering if on the, the concept of gathering knowledge for the sake of gathering knowledge versus the other idea you gave of gathering information for the sake of fueling your bhajan or internal development, I wonder if you could maybe refine that or clarify that idea a little more. Well, very simply, what I mean is that we all have some experience of persons, if not ourselves, gathering information and thinking that gathering the information and being able to repeat it is synonymous with Krishna consciousness, and it very well may not be. It, it may be just the antithesis. We may be just fueling our false pride. The theoretical knowledge is important, but it's only as important as it's applied in such a way or gathered in such a way as to as to inspire us to practice, not just to, as I say, have information and then speak it to somebody else and not change your own life and so forth. Therefore, a chart is like Prabhupada, Bhakti Sansasti Thakur Prabhupada and so forth. In their missions, they very much emphasized, uh, de-emphasized collecting information because of the potential problem that can come from that. And they emphasize practice. Therefore, Prabhupada would be asked a question like, uh, Prabhupada, I thought they were, were those boys up in the tree or were they not? And Prabhupada would say something like, why don't you go there and find out? I mean, he would give some details, but he wasn't really interested in filling everybody of his disciples up with a lot of information. And this is, it was kind of, in a way, it was a little bit of an anti-intellectual kind of a thrust. Now, that can be abused, and we see that too. So then it swings to the other end of the pendulum, and that becomes a problem also, that people think, oh, collecting that information is bad, or that information is bad. It's actually where you want to go. You want to enter into what that information is about. So you have to find some balance. So in a simple way, we should balance our gathering of information about Krishna consciousness from various literatures and so forth, which are out and about these days. We should balance our tendency to do so and our tendency to become acquainted with such in this way by seeing that we are doing so for the purpose of inspiring our practice. That will all be applied there. So if I'm just, if I find my practice isn't increasing but my information collecting is, then there may be some problem. But if my information collecting is, theoretical understanding is developing, increasing, and my practice is increasing, then that's harmonious and that will call your advancement. Maybe this is getting too specific, but um, in your own practice, or maybe this is something you would suggest, like in terms of completing one's rounds, do you find use in, let's say, having a some particular verse or something? You may meditate in between rounds, or you may finish a round and then have something you're, something that's inspiring you and then continue Japa like that. Do I do that? Yeah, I was wondering if you did or if it's something that's... I've heard it mentioned before from other... Yeah, I do that. Yeah. Some, you know, certain verses and things that are important to me. It's a good idea. It should develop naturally. That's the thing. It's very important. Prabhupada stresses it. It should unfold naturally. But you should see that it is unfolding. If it's not, then there's something unnatural <laughs> also, because you're doing the practice, it should be unfolding. But it should unfold in a natural and happy way, not in an artificial way. 
And we can't be, we know we talk about high thing like rag, rag, marg, bhakti, which our sampradaya is about, but you can't be intimidated into it. That's not what it's about. <laughs> it's about being fearless. <laughs> so, someone says, there's a problem. You're not, uh, you don't have enough information about Krishna here. You've got Krishna Nam. <laughs> In one sense, what more do you need? Like Puri Goswami Maharaj used to say, when these kind of things would be brought up, often he about higher topics, and he would often say, well, he would say, one thing, Baba, you have to know that, you should know that you cannot enter into Krishna Leela, Ragmarg, all these things, without chanting Hare Krishna fencelessly, without chanting Krishna Nama fencelessly. So it was such a simple and profound statement. He used to say, well, people say there's another way, but I don't know about that. I, I, I never, I can't. I know this. This works. It's practical. You, if you cannot chant Krishna Nam offenselessly, then you cannot enter there. So you focus on that. Now there may be some things that will help you to chant Krishna Nam offenselessly. Okay, so you may collect the information and this way to help you chant without offense. It means basically it means to pay attention to it. Wow, this is important. This is what it's about. This is what this Krishna Nam holds within it. Nam, Guna, Rupa, Lila, all these things are there. My prospect lies there. So by thinking about that, then we may pay more attention. Paying attention is the basis of overcoming offenses, according to Thakur Bhaktivinoda. So in, in these days, of course, you know, we have to think a little bit more about it. More information has been made available. When Prabhupada preached to me and, and, and my godbrothers and godsisters, and a lot of his preaching was relative to the questions we asked and the amount of information and insight we had. And we didn't have a lot. There's so much more, by his grace, really, so much more Krishna consciousness is out and about. Other preachers and other missions, and it's, you know, it's, it, it's really uh, expanded in so many ways. He opened the doors with that, to, to flood the world with Krishna consciousness. And uh, that was his, was his ambition. And it was also his ambition that with all of those people that he would, that would be doing that, that there would be healthy interaction, happy intergodia faith type of gatherings. That was his own stated ambition. We shouldn't... The fact that in his own life he didn't realize that and met with some frustration in that regard doesn't mean that we should not allow him to realize that in terms of his succession. This is his own very plainly stated ambition. So, anyway, given that so much the more information that... I, the, for example, people come to me and ask me questions that uh, about... They're not initiated and they ask me questions that um, I didn't even know there was such a question when I joined to even ask Prabhupada. So I obviously have to have the answer <laughs> to give them. If somebody's talking about it here and there, or there's a book out, or who knows where they heard it. So my point is that it's Krishna consciousness is, is actually spreading. You may wonder sometimes, <laughs> but it is. It is spreading. More people are joining it all, all the time, actually. And very few people leave it once they join it. They may get frustrated with a particular manifestation of it or their own practice or what may be the case, but it's actually uh, a growing thing. It's, it's a good, uh, good investment, Krishna consciousness. And so what it's about, information about that is also more, uh, more available. So we should become acquainted with that in a healthy way. And what, again, is a healthy way that as our acquaintance with that grows, we see my practice is growing also and I'm advancing. Not that I'm just getting a bunch of information from one source so I can go tell others, you should leave that institution, you should come to this one, you should give up that guru and get this guru. 
So many gurus have been given up, and other gurus have gotten, and people have moved from one mission to another. People who do this usually don't change too much. Pretty much, business is the same in any institution. Business is the same under any guru. One guru may have more insight, more realization, more information than another. That's also possible. But the business on your side is the same. And you can do with little information or a lot of information. I mean, if I ideally, ideally we should get initiated from the greatest guru, but ideally we should be the best disciple also. <laughs> then you have the kind of magic that takes place in Gaur Leela when you know, Narutam Thakur is initiated by Lokanath Goswami and it all happens in, in one ceremony. So, you know, there's much concern about who's the best, what's a qualified guru, and in many respects, the reply might be that we'll try to understand what a good disciple is. Because I'll tell you something, if you're a good disciple, and that's hard to get, I, I mean, I'm in the, you know, the guru side of the thing, and it's hard to get a good disciple, I can tell you. If you think it's hard to get a good guru, I think it's hard to get a good disciple. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, um, if you want to know uh, what a qualified guru is, then try to understand what a qualified disciple is. Because that's very much part of the equation. So qualify yourself, be sincere and serious about this. Really, we're not looking for disciples, though. Gurus are looking for gurus. We're looking for gurus. It's a good disciple is a guru. That's what a good disciple is. I mean, not all good disciples will be gurus, but all good disciples are gurus, actually. Whether they're officially gurus or not, they're gurus, they're teachers. They exemplify what this is about and teach it doesn't matter if, the, if it's an old, elderly uh, Bengali lady just cleaning the floor in the temple. If she's Krishna conscious, it'll be taken advantage of. People will learn from her and so much be inspired. It doesn't have to have some formal position as a guru. It's, I don't recommend it. You should all just be simple and practice Krishna consciousness. Be happy. Don't worry about your own practice. Make friends with other people who practice. Of course, you have to help other people who don't know, and then they're your guru, so it's hard to get away from. <laughs> yes? Prabhupada gives a lot of warning of uh, you know, trying to imitate the mood of Vasudeva. Is there any such uh, warning about you know, trying to aspire for that childlike innocence that Krishna shared with his, uh, his childhood friends, you know, eating lunch with Krishna, laughing and playing, and that kind of this almost frivolous type of behavior just seems very childlike and playful. Is there, is there anything? I mean, we don't really see it in, the, in, our, in our line really so much. Prabhupada behaving like a child so much, but I mean, is there anything that no. you try to avoid? So much he played like, good like a child. So much he was childlike. But anyway, that's another thing. One thing is that you should be clear that what you're saying when you say that Prabhupada gave a lot of cautions that we shouldn't imitate the mood of Rasalila, what you mean is like the mood of the gopis, something like that. That's what you're saying. So you understand what he was saying exactly, really, because there's a lot of, I don't know how well-read you are, please forgive me, but people say many things, what Prabhupada said, and you have to really study and see what he really said, and why he said what he said, when he said what he said, what was behind that, what was the context of that. Every statement has a context, Right? And if you don't know the context of the statement, it's very easy to, to uh, misunderstand it. Even while you quote it and say, so-and-so, for example, Prabhupada said this, but what did he mean by that? We can associate with the guru's form, vapu, or his vani, right? His instructions. You know the terms, perhaps. But there's a vapu to the vani also. Do you follow me? 
So there's an external form to the instructions. But we don't want to be acquainted with just the form, the letters. We want to know the context, the spirit behind it, why it was said, when it was said, to whom it was said, what chapter it was written in, what purporting, what for all these things are important. I'm just speaking in general, especially with this, because I've seen this can be very much misunderstood. Prabhupada gave a healthy type of precaution. And the easiest example to use is, is of course, the Madhurya Rasa, because it's romantic love. And romantic love is really what the world's kind of all about, primarily. It's the primary interest of everyone. And the two are very, you know, very different. But really, when he gives a healthy kind of caution about artificially projecting yourself into the love life of Krishna, it covers the whole realm of all Braj Lok, whether it be coward love or the love of the Mother Jashoda and so forth. It's all very high, all very easy to misconstrue. We should learn how to act in our sadhaka deha, the body we get at initiation as a practitioner, such that we can acquire, realize a siddhadeya, in which all those type of activities will be appropriate. So, at the same time, there's some crossover. Because you, if, you're, if you're practicing, you're going there from day one. You're going there to that place that you shouldn't misunderstand and shouldn't cheapen. You're actually going there. From the very day that you're initiated, you're going there. So there's some crossover. That's a fact. Your disposition from this life in practice, from previous lives in practice, for a knowing person, he or she is going to see some background in you showing up in your everyday life that you, know, you don't know about either. That's a result of this kind of progress and develop being in connection with, with that thing. But overall, we should be a little cautious about that and, and we should underscore any thinking about Krishna Leela with the idea that it's the serving ego that's at the foundation of all that. Those are all expressions of service. If service is the foundation of love, then when it thickens and develops, it, it expresses itself in these ways. Do you follow? So what's important to us is develop a service ego, a serving ego. And we should submit ourselves to the practices and the means like we are a servant of Krishna Nam. And then, you know, in time, uh, some things will come. You may find some attraction into a particular sentiment like friend of Krishna. You may find, oh, I like those pictures of Krishna with the cows and in the forest. And so then, if you like that, then fine. <laughs> That's good. It's not a bad thing. Then you can meditate on those pictures. And if you think and you, you know, that, oh, Krishna would sit with all of his friends and take lunch and he would put food from his mouth, take it out and put it in their mouth, and then take it out of, they would take food out of their mouth and put it in his mouth. And in comes Brahma on his swan thinking, what is going on? These uncivilized people and the gods are worshipping uncivilized people. What's become of the heavens? I've got to sort this out. Krishna's eating with his left hand and Brahma had to suffer for that, you know. And he became Thakur Haridas. He had to take birth as a Muslim. Not too bad. <laughs> in in Gaur Leela. So, anyway, we may, naturally we be attracted to some of these things in a simple way, but we should keep very high above our head. This is a high ideal. And serving my Gurudev, and by His grace, I can get some access to this. And so... You be a little careful, but not overly cautious in such a way that natural, simple 
kind of liking for these things, you end up thinking it's a bad thing. It's not. You had a question? You're talking about the, the different entrances and um, is Lord Chaitanya's pastime but an entrance? Yes, that's the entry in many respects. You cannot uh, enter to Krishna Lila without going through Gaur Lila. So, and you cannot think of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without thinking of Krishna, because he's absorbed. If you think about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's absorbed in Krishna. So, yes, just like Anki Mudi Sajopori Bhusho Rati Sheshe, Radha Krishna Raho Lila, Smori Rasa Veshe, Rasa Rasa Rati Kheli Karite Urgar, Goranga Lila Mohima. Like that, it's an example. There's this nice morning song. Anki Mudi Sajopori. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is seated on his bed. His eyes are closed. Ankimudi Sajopori seated on the bed. Bosho Ratri Sheshe at the end of the night. And Radha Krishna Raholilas is absorbed in meditating on Radha Krishna's Lila at the end of the night. Just like when you're in the morning, you wake up, but you stay in bed a little bit, and you're awake, but you close your eyes and you're dreaming about, so I'll do this, I'll do that, I should do this. I should get up, but uh, I'm thinking about something. The mind is kind of going. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mind is going like that, but it's going all about Radha and Krishna, and they're, they're, the end of the night is coming. He's absorbed in their leela, thinking about that. They did Ras Leela last night. Now the night is over, the sun is coming, they've got to get home, and he's absorbed in these kind of thoughts. So we sing about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. If we know about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we cannot but enter into Krishna leela also. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there's an example. Early in the morning, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is going into Krishna Lila. And if you follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you go with him, appropriate to your place of entry and, and sentiment and so forth. And in early morning, after breakfast, Mahaprabhu goes out into the forest, heading for the Ganges. He comes to like Shuklambar's house. He arrives there, visiting some friends, accompanied by other associates. He sees... And the delta, Ganga delta, some cowherd boys and their cows coming. Yeah, yeah, gee, gee. And he, it's appropriate according to the time. Well, he goes into the Gostilila of Krishna. He enters there as a cowherder. And those who, with him, relative to their sentiment, they go along also, coming back out this way. So you have to go. Krishna Kaviraj Goswami said that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was like a great fountain. And from that fountain, rivers of Krishna Lila are flowing in all directions. About that verse, Siddharmar said, so which comes first? You have to wonder, Krishna or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? The Lila is flowing from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Both are eternal. Radha Krishna Parnai Bhakti Shakira Smade Katmanovid. One becomes two, Krishna becomes Radha Krishna, the two become one. What came first? So he said, oh, well, we think of it like this. First the giver, then the gift. Mahaprabhu is the giver. Without the giver, you cannot have the gift. So we approach him first. Where will we find ourselves? You consider. If you go as deep as you can in Krishna Lila, where will you find yourself? What's the deepest point of Krishna Lila? The whole of Krishna Lila, given in Bhagavatam, what is the culmination of that Lila? Is it the disappearance of the other dynasty? No, the climax comes in Braj, at the Rasalila. That's the climax. The whole thing is building up, building up, building up. 
Krishna's love for Radha and gopis. It's building up, it's building up. At that point, it reaches its apex. It's, oh, it's consummated, their relationship. They've danced and exchanged, and it's... And everything else then that follows that, so many chapters are all re- really reflecting back on it. The whole Dwarka Lila, the whole Matura Lila, reflecting back on the significance of that in many respects. This is the high point. And in that, what is the high point? The high point of that is when, after Krishna disappears, Gopi's looking for him, and they come to the bank of the Jamuna, naturally. There they do Sankirtan, sing so many nice songs about Krishna. The Krishna sees the measure of their love. He's Rasarad, so he's a connoisseur of love. He cannot fathom that. And he's, he, he knows, I taste all kinds of love, but that love, I've never, I haven't seen anything like that. I can't, I told everybody in the, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita that if, according to the way you approach me, I'll reciprocate accordingly, but I cannot reciprocate accordingly to the measure of this love. This is the high point. So what do we find there? We are very, very deep inside of Krishna Lila, and we find Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Lila begins. Krishna wants to taste that love. Oh, he changes his complexion, and, and Gorlila begins. So we often think of Gorlila as this kind of external thing so we can get to the real thing, but... <laughs> One's inside the other, and it's very. So go through Gorlila and end up in Krishna Lila and back in Gorlila and back in the Krishna Lila. There's such possibilities there. Actually, there are many secrets about Gorlila that aren't told. Deep, very deep, deep secrets. You can only find out by going. More, more, more secrets about that that aren't told than secrets that are told about Krishna Lila. So, anything else? Alright, so we'll stop there. Grantaras Simad Bhagavatam ki jai, Puri Vashnav Gurpan Paraki jai, Rasi Lesi Bhakti Vidanta Sami Prabhupad ki jai, Si Bhakti Rakshak Siddhadiv Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Si Bhakti Siddham Sarasti Thakur Prabhupad ki jai, Si Bhakti Vinod Puribar ki jai, Go Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Go Premanandi Riribu.